friends. How are you doing today? It's great to see you. And welcome to the 40th episode of In The Know, your 25-minute deep dive into the modern employee experience and what we can do to make it better. I'm JD from Exonify, and today's episode is all about customer service. Now, I like to think that I know a thing or two about delivering, delivering exceptional customer service. I mean, after all, it's where I spent the first half of my career, whether it was in movie theaters or theme parks, it was always my job to make sure you were having such a good time that you came back time and time again. And while I and my teams, I think, did an exceptional job of delivering that exceptional service, we always had something going for us because you were always coming to us to have a good time. You know, maybe you were taking a, a first date out to the movies or you were going on vacation to Disney with your extended family, but we were always there starting from, you know, kind of a positive place. And then it was up to us to maintain that level or maybe when possible, raise the bar and exceed your expectations. But this isn't always the case for every business when it comes to the role that customer service plays. Have you ever called a contact center and had a good time? Or, you know, are you usually starting from a bit of a negative spot and then it's their job to bring things back up to that positive zone because great customer service doesn't always just bring people back to your organization. It can also put people at ease, you know, boost their confidence and help them feel like they can overcome a challenging situation. And this is especially true in healthcare. For example, a few years ago, I went to a local outpatient facility for surgery. I'm fine. Uh, but I can tell you everything about that day. And it's not because, you know, I'm an expert at maintaining my personal health records. It's because I remember the employees from that facility. And I especially remember what they were wearing because all of the admin staff, uh, other nurses, even my doctor, they were all dressed like elves and reindeer because it was Christmas Eve. And they knew how stressful it can be to not just have surgery, but to do it during the holidays. So they helped put me at ease and you know have some fun, to put it bluntly, uh, by bringing that holiday spirit with them on that day. And here I am talking about my outpatient procedure on the internet 10 years later. That's what great customer service can do. So how do you make sure that your workers have the knowledge and skill necessary to deliver that kind of exceptional service during every customer interaction? Well, we're going to ask Sam Anderson, Director of Learning and Development at Cardinal Health. Sam is going to walk us through his team's award-winning approach to customer service training, including how they apply micro-learning and coaching to reinforce key customer service skills. But before we welcome our ITK guest, let's do a quick round of JD's five things. Here's a short list of five things that I'm really excited about right now. Starting off with the two stops we have left on the 2023 leg of the Ecosystem Tour. I've been to Las Vegas, Nashville, NYC, and Indianapolis recently, and now I'm going to be streaming my story of the modern learning ecosystem during two upcoming online events. So join me at ATD Core 4 from November 28th to the 30th, and then at the ATD Japan Summit from December 5th to the 8th. Get all of the details plus 2024 tour dates at the very real website, ecosystemtour.com. Exonify also just released our latest guide for frontline enablement, and this one is tailored to grocery. So be sure to head over to exonify.com slash toolkit to download your copy. It includes an overview of the three pillars of frontline enablement, 16 tactics for putting enablement into action, and a step-by-step -step guide for building a grocery enablement campaign. 
It's really your go-to playbook for driving next-level service in your stores. So be sure to grab your copy right now or after the show or in a different tab, either way. But it's not just November. It's also Movember, a time to raise awareness for men's health causes around the world. This includes mental health, suicide prevention, and prostate cancer and testicular cancer. Now, our Exonify team has been big supporters of Movember for years. So that means we've got all types of unfortunate mustaches growing right now in our Toronto and Waterloo offices. So if you want to learn more and donate to support men's health, get all the details at ca.movember.com. Now, we're just two weeks away from an exciting anniversary. It's the one-year anniversary of the Modern Learning Ecosystem, my book. And I want to, get, want to once again thank everyone in the L&D community for your support since its release. And to celebrate the one-year anniversary, I'm going to be doing some special giveaways. So be sure to follow me on LinkedIn. Check back here for the final ITK of the year on Wednesday, November 29th, for a chance to potentially get a copy of the Modern Learning Ecosystem. Now, that's, that's so many awesome things in today's five things. But the fifth thing may actually be the most awesome thing of all. Because have you heard about Exonify Content Studio? Because we actually just announced it at Nashville at our community conference. And you know how you know, off-the-shelf training content can sometimes be kind of meh, you know, because, you know, it's good, but it doesn't quite match your brand or your process or the languages that you specifically need. Well, we solved these problems with the latest addition to our content marketplace called Content Studio. Powered by Vion, Content Studio lets you fully customize hundreds of ready-to-go video topics from the Exonify content marketplace. So let's say that we have a topic that you like, but it's, it's built for an office-based workforce, and you work in a grocery store. Well, with a few clicks, you can transform that video into a full grocery scenario, complete with your very own company branding. Content Studio accelerates your development time, getting you 90% of the way there instead of forcing you to always start from scratch. That's pretty cool, right? So get all the details in our new Content Studio subscription over at exonify.com slash content. And that is the latest edition of JD's Five Things. Now let's welcome our ITK guest, Sam Anderson. Sam has a long runway of experiences through a variety of roles in HR, including learning and development, talent management, and as an HR business partner at companies including JPMorgan Chase and L Brands. In his role as Director of Learning and Development at Cardinal Health, Sam leads the global learning and development team and strategy, supporting 4,500-plus customer service, uh, customer experience professionals across five lines of business and seven corporate service functions. Sam Anderson, you're in the know. JD, good to see you. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure indeed. Gotta ask, how's the weather? <laughs> in South Florida, it's very wet today. Yes. So Sam and I are both in Florida, but we're in very different parts of Florida. So we're about four uh, hours away from one another. We're having very different weather days. So we're hoping, fingers crossed, the weather holds for us for the rest of the show. But that means we got to dive in. Let's talk customer service and healthcare. So healthcare, obviously a, a big, complicated space. So can you start off by telling us a bit about what Cardinal Health does and then what types of work the people you support do every day? Yeah, happy to. So Cardinal Health is a distributor of pharmaceuticals and a global manufacturer and distributor of medical and lab products. So anything used in a medical setting, chances are we sell it. And in some cases, we manufacture it. We are headquartered in Dublin, Ohio, just outside of Columbus, been in operation for 50 years and have locations in 30 countries. And we employ about 48,000 globally. So uh, the people we support are our customer service teams, and these 
groups provide resolutions to customer issues. They review and respond to customer questions, help with returns, check status on orders. Very similar to a, probably a customer contact service center that you've interacted with in a, in a retail setting, perhaps. Uh, one of our Customers could be a global 500 pharmacy chain, uh, a regional health system, a family-owned pharmacy in a rural area, or even an internal employee that's looking for help with like an IT-related question or an HR-related question. So I can speak from experience as someone who worked or focused on customer service training at Disney and then focused on customer service and product training and whatnot in contact center environments, that this type of work is, is far from easy. But... I understand the concept of easy is quite important at Cardinal Health. So can you explain to us what easy, E-A-S-E-E, -E, means in your organization? <laughs> I'd be happy to. So easy is our acronym that defines our customer service model. And it stands for empathy, acknowledge, seek, explain, and establish. And it is the complete basis for our training program. The reason we find it so important is we believe our customer service is a distinction for us and kind of separates us from the competition. Now, hopefully everyone out there wrote that down so they can start borrowing some of these concepts because that's what you do from great customer service organizations is you kind of borrow what works in your organization. But I, I'm curious how, when you take a look at the standards you set around customer service, how did you determine that there was a challenge in this area and that you needed to put more focus on improving customer service skills. So was there a particular metric that you were looking at to both identify the problem and then using similar metrics to measure if you were successful in improving those skills? Yeah, so it came from a couple different uh, like places. I think the first is we were looking for a collective program that we could apply to all of our different customer service groups, right? And we had disparate programs that we were trying to bring together under one umbrella, but still have a bit of uniqueness to them to make them feel real. What led us to easy was really looking at two things, our call, our after-call survey scores and our quality assurance audits. And when we started looking at those, it, it kind of pointed us into the direction of where we could where we could improve. And so that was the genesis for easy and what allowed us to build the program. And it took us for about six months to, to design it and develop it. And what we what we learned um, rather pleasantly is that those that were trained with easy outperform those that do not. And so we looked back at those two metrics that I shared earlier after call quality scores or after call satisfaction scores and quality scores. And what we learned is those trained with easy scored 4.33 on an after call survey compared to those who weren't trained with easy who scored a 4.25. So then we took a look at the quality audit scores and they kind of amplified what I just shared. So our QA scores were 3.5% better for new agents who went through easy training than those that did not. So those became kind of our two indicators of success. So it's a bit of a spoiler alert for the story today. It worked. So now let's talk about what you actually did. So can you break down the training experience itself for both the, the frontline employees that you support as well as their managers. So what did they go through? What did they experience? And then how did you manage to fit this experience alongside their operational demands? Because again, as someone who's worked in learning and development at a contact center, I know rule number one is don't take people off the phone. So oh. how do you manage to fit this experience alongside that busy day-to-day -day workflow? 
Yeah, so the program leverages what we call our performance-based learning framework, and it relies very heavily on a blended delivery model. So if you were going through the program, you'd complete about a 20-minute online module to kind of teach you the concepts and the foundations. Then you'd experience some virtual branching scenarios, which I find to be very cool because they're realistic situations where you're playing the role of the customer service agent solving real problems for them. The way that you react in those realistic situations determines how the customer's mood and tone changes. After that, we do have an instructor-led event to augment the online training. And we try to keep these online or these instructor-led events to just a few hours a day versus a whole day or even a half day. That tends to fit better into the agent's schedule versus longer events. During the instructor-led event, you're going to practice more complex situations that are unique to your business. And I think that was a big thing we wanted to retain is each business unit has different dimensions and different ways that they're servicing customers. And so when you're in class, the examples that you're hearing and the activities that you're practicing are very specific to the business that you support. And then we also be uh, engaging in some group discussion, all designed to help deepen your comprehension of the concepts that you learn in the online training. So, so I heard a lot there in the breakdown of the beginning of the experience. So I heard a lot about application-based, so less talking at people and more about challenging people to solve problems, deal with realistic scenarios. I heard uh, a lot about context you mentioned in terms of making sure the conversations and the content and the experience is relevant to what they do as opposed to kind of generalized uh, customer service skills, more about how they apply these skills within the work they do every day. And then the other big thing I heard you mentioned blended learning is the approach is really leveraging the room for what the room is good for. So I think a lot of organizations are still putting people in a room and telling them things, often because it's convenient to us. Uh, You know, we can put a lot of people in a room and tell them all the same thing at the same time, whether that room be physical or in a lot of cases that room is digital without recognizing that, no, the room is actually more useful and putting people together in a space is more useful for, as you said, that conversation, that practice, that sharing activity that maybe doesn't happen as naturally in the flow of work as it does in this uh, type of experience. So instead of you know just telling people information, which we can do with a variety of other tools outside of that space, really maximize that time that we have together because it is so hard to get and it is both you know tangibly and metaphorically expensive for an organization to do that type of thing or deploy that type of instructor-led tactic. But that that's the delivery side of the story. So that's the beginning. I want to dig into the retention, the transfer side, because we know that's where the real value comes from is people applying what they've learned through this experience. Yeah. So how so did you reinforce? Yeah, how did you reinforce uh, the key concepts so that when it came time to have those conversations with customers, they were ready to apply uh, the standards you set forth with the easy program? Yeah, let's go there because class is over now, right? right? So first first thing we did is put together a learning curriculum for the people leaders. And what we when we designed the learning curriculum for people leaders, we wanted to accomplish two things. One, teach them the concepts that they should be reinforcing, reinforcing back on the job with their team. And secondly, let's readdress what coaching conversations need to sound like. Um, oftentimes we cover the first part, but then we forget to go back to, hey, let's talk about the basic tenets of coaching and giving feedback, because chances are you're going to need to embrace those behaviors as folks are still learning. So that covers the, the people leader side of it. For the learner reinforcement, we have ongoing easy campaigns. And these campaigns consist of micro learning modules and some gamification. And our gamification is very thoughtfully planned out around questions that have increasing complexity. 
we tend to be a very competitive type company. And so there's a lot of internal back and forth to see who can be the better of the customer service teams. And it just, it seems to work for us. And then lastly, um, we have communities of practice with job aids, resources to use on the job. Now, those are the two, like from a learner perspective and a people leader perspective, I think the most significant thing that we've done for reinforcement is to embed it into our business units performance strategy. So our quality assurance teams are looking for the use of the concepts in actual calls. And then the quality assurance team is sharing the results of those audits back to the people leaders who have been able to coach and give feedback. So it kind of just all works together. Yeah, it really sounds like you've you haven't delivered a training program as much as you've embedded an enablement strategy within the working experience for all the key players along the journey who are going to influence that customer experience. And um, not to say uh, that that you shouldn't maybe still read the book, but it seems like you don't really need to read my book because you've basically been implementing the framework that I set forth in terms of all these different components. And my favorite one really is that well, I think a lot of organizations and training teams still they might make the frontline management team go through the training, but it's usually because, you know, we, this is what your people are going to be doing. Isn't this good? You should allow them the time and prioritize this. It's, and it's, you now are aware of what we're teaching your, your team members to do, but it's not really delivering value to them as the manager who's held accountable to the key performance indicators. We've, you talked about the very beginning of the story, right? They're the ones held accountable to delivering that level of customer service. So the question for them is really, well, how's this going to help me reach that goal? So by enabling them as not just an observer of the story, as part of the story, I think that that plays a critical role. Because I always say frontline managers, are the most important people in workplace learning, because they have so much influence over how people do their jobs every day, what's prioritized, what's not what people are allowed to get off the phone to do in some particular contact center examples. So making sure that they're part of the story and it's you're enabling a part of their work experience as opposed to delivering a program that might be seen as an obstacle or a distraction from what they're actually trying to achieve. You're helping them solve a problem that they already know is a meaningful problem to solve. So I love that part of the story. So when we talk about learning, we talked about how you're enabling the managers, how you're enabling the customer service representatives. Uh, what did your team learn through the experience of developing and implementing this type of a program? Yeah, it's a great question. We learned a lot. The first thing we learned is, hey, you have to wrap the solution, the trading solution around a business need or a strategic imperative that the business is going after, right? I think oftentimes learning professionals show up with their array of solutions and learning possibilities without really taking time to understand what the business is trying to do and then connect a solution to that. I would say challenge yourself to find business metrics that matter most. In a call center environment or a customer service environment, we were uh, fortunate enough to have access to different performance metrics that's being looked at on a daily basis. Time to resolve, escalations, the list goes on and on. The more you can anchor the solutions to those metrics, the better off you're going to be. And I know some learning professionals do get caught up in, well, the, the training just didn't cause the numbers to move. And I try to reframe that and saying, well, but you're looking for correlations. It's not always a cause in and of itself, but oftentimes you can correlate the training event or the training solution to business performance KPIs. Um, and and when, you're, when you're unsure, do the control group sample group like we did and test your theory of the case before you kind of go broad and wide. And then lastly, I would say um, 
you know, meet learners where they are. You brought this up earlier. It's hard to pull customer service agents off the phones because then they're not responding to customers' needs. So trying to meet them where they're at uh, was uh, a good lesson that we learned as we were designing the program. And I'd say a lot of your points also land in the category where my last question lives, which is the relationship, the trust, and the influence side of learning and development, especially in a in a busy, operationally focused workplace. So a lot of times it's we talk about buy-in, we talk about seat at the table. We we have these conversations that really come down to do our stakeholders, the people we're supporting, the people we're working with, the people who are sponsoring our initiatives, do they trust us to do the right thing? And that we are aligned with those problems that they're trying to solve versus acting, like you mentioned, in a bit more of a silo where we're talking about learning and development, but we're not really connecting the dots to things that our stakeholders are thinking about. So I'm curious to get your thoughts or kind of extended thoughts on how you build those relationships with your stakeholders so that they understand the value that you can deliver as a learning and development function uh, so that you don't have to keep convincing people and keep trying to get buy-in over and over again for every program. How do you build that relationship and that trust so people know that you're going to help them solve meaningful problems? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, you know, a leader once told me, and, and I, it's forever resonated, hey, we should be business people who just happen to specialize in HR and learning and development. So kind of put your business forward your business foot forward first, and then you can wrap your profession around that. We do that by getting obsessed with our clients' business and their metrics. We are very curious by nature to understand, hey, what is the business focused on and how are you tracking against what you're trying to do? We try to reframe conversations to make sure we're talking about business challenges versus learning solutions. And oftentimes we have to politely back our clients up when they come to us with the learning solution first. And we have to kind of unring that bell a little bit and figure out what's leading them to believe that that learning solution that they're thinking about is really going to solve the problem that they're having. Um, and then lastly, we, we try to be easy to do business with, right? We're here to support those that are on the front line. And so it's it's just as important or equally important for us to be easy to work with and easy to do business with. And if you, if you walk in with that understanding of what the day-to-day -day reality is like for your stakeholders, what problems they're trying to solve, what they ultimately care about, how they're held accountable, it ultimately makes you that much easier to work with as a key partner within your organization. So great point there. Great point to wrap up on. Sam Anderson, thank you so much for joining us today on ITK. Okay. How can people connect with you and follow the awesome work you and your team are doing at Cardinal Health? Uh, the easiest way is going to be through LinkedIn. And I would just ask that you put ITK in the uh, subject line and that allow me to kind of sort through pretty quickly and uh, hone in on your message. Thanks, JD. Great, great tip. We should provide that to all of our guests. So again, thanks so much to Sam Anderson for breaking down Cardinal Health's award-winning approach to customer service training in healthcare. Be sure to check out the full case study over at Training Magazine. We'll drop a link in the show description. If you had a good time today, be sure to subscribe to ITK. Head over to exonify.com slash ITK to sign up for show announcements and reminders. You can also check out the entire ITK collection on the Exonify YouTube channel or listen to In the Know on your favorite podcast app. I'll see you back here in two weeks for the final ITK of 2023. So make sure to hold Wednesday, November 29th at 1130 a.m. Eastern in your calendar for another insightful conversation with a member of our amazing employee experience community. We'll also be celebrating, again, the one-year anniversary of the modern learning ecosystem. So you might be able to grab a copy of the book. Keep an eye out for those special giveaways. Until then, I'm JD. Now you're in the know and always remember to ask yourself the important questions. Like, why are pediatricians always so agitated?
Well, it's because they have very little patience. I'll see you next time. In the Know is produced by Sam True. Visual design by Mark Anderson. Additional production support by Risha McCutcheon, Andrea Miller, Malia Bernard, Tung Law, and Megan Kay. The show is written and hosted by J.D. Dillon. ITK is an Exonify production. For more information on how Exonify helps frontline workers learn, connect, and get things done, visit exonify.com. <laughs>